Welcome to uh, a new show. Brand spanking new. Brand spanking new. This is exciting. A tiny new show. This is Beer 30 Live, everybody. Thank you for joining us. And thank you. Cheers. To all of you. Uh, yes. yes. Cheers. 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 Here's so the beer. Is there beer? beer. Yes. There is live beer. We are here from the uh, beautiful Portland establishment. This is the, the Ram in Lake Oswego on the, uh, uh, it's the River. Portland, uh, what is it officially called? The Something about... What's the name of this place? I call it ruined, the Ram. You ruined the show already. I don't know. I, Start where over. are we? Does anybody the Big Ram Horn. It's the, the Big Ram the, Horn. The Big Horn Brewing Company. Oh, Big Horn Brewing Company oh, okay. uh, in Lake Oswego, Oregon. We're on the shores of the uh, the, the cresting river, uh, the Willamette. Is that where we are? Is that <laughs> yeah, the river out there? Yes, it is. Once a super fun a site. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could if you look if you look carefully. They're snagging. They're snagging carp. I got fish hooks. It's not that bad. It's getting uh, better. I am, uh, this is Pete Wright, and I'm sitting here around the table uh, with... Mr. Jamie Whitley. Jamie Whitley. It's good to be back. Hey, and Mary Bradbury Jones. Mary. Mary. I just love the shirt buttoned all I the way do. up. I do. look librarian. like a librarian. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, doing yeah. what I can do to make the bike... Yeah. Uh, it is. No, work. it works. It works. You and have like um, a little ruler. You slap people's hands. We, oh. Exactly. Look under You my know, nose. I need to say... Smash. <laughs> all right, behave. I didn't so, bring dollar bills. I have to tell you, I got... A, a bunch of email from people who, when we when we closed the book on Tuesday noon, from a bunch of people who said, please keep me posted. I really would like to stay in touch with you guys as you move cool. on to the new show. Thank you to all of you who wrote to us. This is, uh, uh, it, it was, it, it really it meant a lot to us to know that you were listening and that you actually uh, gave a whip about what we were talking about and we're interested in, in uh in creating a show that you guys are interested in. To that, uh, on that note, we've got uh, we'll have a new website, uh, beer30live.com, and you'll be able to reach us. Uh, actually, effective today at uh, all of our same email addresses: Pete, Jamie, or Mary at beer30live.com. Check, cool. check your emails, by the way. The I, I saw set, that come through today. Instructions yes, are in there. Very right cool. There. So I saw we're, that. we're live so, on email. So what's the new format here? Just I, kind I of bring you up to speed, gang. So we've we've normally had yep. a, a guest that we've brought on, and we've talked about certain hot topics. What are what are we doing here with our new beer thirty live? Other than drinking beer, what are what are we headed for? I don't know that there's anything more to do than that. Well, that's that's true. So yeah, Mary, what are we doing here? Well, uh, we're keeping a similar format, but we're going to start off our show where we talk just kind of roundtable in general about hot topics news of, of the week, week news, news of the week, week uh, before we dive in with our guests. Yes. So we'll have a little bit of just roundtable of random topics, and then we'll move to our guest and have uh, more of a discussion-focused topic. Focused discussion. <laughs> yeah. Have you already jumped into yeah. your second we, glass? We right. need Jeez. to stop uh, the beer. Okay. Wow. Far, now, so. on that note, we should probably let's, uh, let's, let's introduce, introduce our, our guests. guests. We have some great people here today. A couple of uh, fellas, by the way. You can take off the ties. It's okay. It's pretty casual. It's beer 30. It is yeah. beer 30. It's after, you can't take and off the ties. We, we always have to look professional. Do you now? Even under your assumed names. Now, here's an interesting yes. story today because I just, these we'll are anonymous our, people. These are these are anonymous guests. They uh, we're today we're talking about the uh, pharmaceutical industry, and it turns out. As I was looking for, you know, I don't know how it happened to me, you guys, but personally, I happen to have a lot of friends who work in the pharmaceutical business. They what does that say about you? Are, I don't know. That's my problem. Is that the legal pharmaceuticals? That is the problem. <laughs> love the drug. Legal pharmaceuticals <laughs> or what? <laughs> <laughs> Help us out. So I Pete, start I can't asking, get any more of that. <laughs> I mean, you should see this guy. This guy's trunk. There's, there's nothing That's legal right. about it. I can't tell you what they drive or they would get rolled. So here's the thing. They, I have a lot of friends who work there, and it's like the mafia. 
you ask them, hey, you guys want to come on and talk about the show? And they all start saying, oh, no, I, I'm afraid I can't get close to that because they're watching me. It's big pharmaceutical. <laughs> big pharma, that's what it is, right? It's the government. Wait a second. It's what a CIA, are they watching right? you? Why, why would you be worried? Why would be worried? Yeah. yeah. What's, I mean, what, gonna, what do you have to hide? FDA is around every corner. Every corner. Every corner. So you can't talk about drugs? You can, but you've got to make sure that you're saying it right. Make sure that you're saying yeah. it right. And that's if why you, we have these two guests. So I later we're gonna, we are going to talk if about If you're not a trained professional, it's pretty <laughs> <laughs> See, wow. now, the problem well, is, and we're going to get into this, some people would say I am a, trained a trained professional, professional. is a doctor. <laughs> I mean, some uh, would say that. <laughs> Others in the pharmaceutical industry would not. <laughs> we don't need no stinking doctors. <laughs> so we're going to talk to We've got our friend. They are... Um, uh, Dick and Larry, under, right? Uh, Dick and... Larry. And now we're Jim, 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 Dick and Jim. Dick and Jim. Are you sure you want me here? Because if you wanted Larry, I don't know where he is. <laughs> you can go, go find Larry. So we've got Dick and Larry. Uh, thank you both for Dick sitting down Jim. with us. Dick and Jim are sitting down with us today. And, and uh, we're going to do our best to keep them as anonymous as we can. And uh, and so that's it. So let's uh, let's talk about Headlines. the news. What's going yes. on? What's going on? Mary. Oh, well, I think earth-shattering to all of us is... The news of Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn. <laughs> she would start there. Of all the news that you could start with, you could talk about President Bush. You could talk about some guy lost in the woods. But no, we have to start with Jennifer because Aniston and Jen and Vince Vaughn. are the, the most important people of the week. I'm so sad. I know. Because they broke up. They broke up. They broke up. Do you know why? You no, all they said, uh, <laughs> according to People.com. People.com. Some serious research going I see. on here. That both representatives came out and just said that uh, when she went to London in late October to see him, they decided to end their relationship. Oh, and they are good shame. friends. Uh, uh, that's so, a shame. You know, all the tabloids had them broken up about around September. <laughs> so there's something I to be said about I almost feel like we should have put money tab- down on it. You there should, needs to be a market on most celebrity. Most of the time, the tabloids are right. They were right about um, all the, the newlywed couple. I can't believe I'm blanking. No. Simpson and... Um, oh, yeah. No. Tom... Are you talking about Tom and... What's oh, no. Name? Not the new ones. No. Kiki but No. Um, Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey. Remember for, like, months they were talking about him breaking up, and then they come out and school. say, no, we're not. We're just so offended that you think we're breaking up. And then four months later, they... In their marriage. Well, that was because of the that was because of the show because they had the show on MTV and it was still mid season. What do you mean the tabloids are all? So that was a publicity thing. Does that mean there's really like alien babies and all that kind of stuff? They do speak the future. I mean tabloids like In Touch and Us Weekly. In Touch and so so you're saying there's a caste system for tabloids? So I think it's I think it's all PR. So. For months, they want them on the cover, speculating about their breakup. They get more attention. They get more, even though they know that they've broken up. So they work it. They work the system to get even more My condolences go out to Jennifer Aniston. She needs a shoulder to lean on and somebody to keep her warm at night. Um, Call me. The roach is there. (laughs) The roach is there. Okay, next next headline. Next headline, I got one. Culture shock on Capitol Hill. This from the Washington Post. House to work five days a week. Oh my God! I know. I hate to follow up a Jen and Vince story with politics, uh, but five dear God, days a it week. looks like our representatives are going to be going to work not Tuesday through Thursday afternoon, as they had been all uh, last uh, last season when they were actually in session. They will be working Monday through Friday afternoon. 
Well, and then not till late on Monday, right? Because they have to fly in and stuff. Right. No, that's right. And then right. they got to so fly out Friday. Noon morning. Monday yeah. to noon it's Friday. Like, it's and like so a I, four day work. They've gained about six hours. Oh, look, we've got food. Oh, cool. This was very generous of Dude, us to right. order that. <laughs> what possibly could they be working on for five days? <laughs> that's a good question. I don't question. know. That's the big Jim, question. you've got a great question. Yeah, that is a good question. Maybe. We have no problems. No issues in this no, country. None. Maybe they'll be actually working on the uh, the uh, Iraq study groups report. Uh, are we that winning came a out war? Just today, it came right? Out today, mm-hmm. that's big news. Yes. What is that? We're good. I think we're good. Thanks. That's lettuce wrap. This is a lettuce. We've got a lettuce wrap. We've got some potato skins and some popcorn shrimp here. So let's talk about this study group. Sure, let's do. What did we do? Oh no, we said Mary's writing a note right now <laughs> that says we said today because we did. We're actually this show is actually going out on Friday, so we'll, yes, just, uh, we'll have to decide so, if we cut so, that later. We'll get better. So should we pause and eat? See no, if we can I get think a. We're, I okay. think we're good. Should we rewind the tape? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the Iraq Study Group come, uh, report. Yeah, Jim, Jim learning yes. theme report. Yes. Jim Baker came was on TV today. today, right? What did Jim Baker have to say, Dan? Uh, basically, Earth shattering news that uh, we're all screwed up. We don't know what we're doing and we're in deep trouble. <laughs> I, I, for one, was just am, totally shocked. I am too. I, I had no idea. <laughs> well, this was the piece I thought that, spending $2 million a day was an efficient way yeah, of doing exactly. things. Yeah. This was the and, piece that I thought was so great. It was the piece between Bob Gates, the newly confirmed uh, 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 head of the Pentagon, uh, right? Secretary of Defense. Secretary of Defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, and George Bush piped together with... with um, Tony Snow, and they say, uh, and it says, George Bush says, yes, we're in it for victory. We're doing great in the war in Iraq. We're, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to take home team. And then Bob Gates asked the same question. Oh, no. No, we're not doing very well at all. This is very sad. And then Tony Snow says, if you think there's a disagreement between George Bush and Bob Gates, you're sorely mistaken. You're looking for a fight where none exists. Yeah, it's, it's a sad state. State. I, it's interesting, though, that they've been prepping for this for a long time. Since clear before the elections, you, you had uh, Don Rumsfeld, you know, him him resigning. You had this commission that pretty much everybody knew what they were going to say because they've been leaking it for a long period of time. Right. And really, they're just running for cover and reporting what everybody knows and doing it in a systematical fashion. And <laughs> now it becomes, now what do you do? And 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 essentially, we're going to start cutting and running. Do you think we're going to jump? And as Bush said, we probably won't agree with the recommendations. (laughs) (laughs) And these are just one of many ideas. Well, I saw that today. That don't agree with me. I I saw that. And I'm like, he's sitting there saying, well, there are other reports that are going on. We're going to wait till those come out and we'll talk about it. Like, dude, how many people do you need to tell you it's screwed up before you figure it out? So here's the question. Okay, who who at the table voted for uh, the current administration? I did. I know you did, Roach. Jamie, uh, we have Jim. Yes, I did. Dick, no. Dick. yeah, you did. Yeah, Dick, you voted. Where are you now? Because I know Mary and I are the bleeding hearts. So <laughs> of course. Where? Dick. What else can Dick. I do? Dick. I feel a little hard that uh, heartened that disheartened that we're outnumbered all of a sudden. Well, you've Mary. always been outnumbered intellectually, anyways. But <laughs> that's now good. Keep talking. <laughs> Keep spinning. James. So where where are you now, you red state Republican neocons? That. The war. Don't roll your eyes at me. Where are you now that the uh, that the war is in that the Iraq study group comes out and says we're in trouble? I don't know. I'd have to look at it in the sense that uh, there are many different aspects to that. There's there's talks on 
um, on the the council that just came up with uh, recommendations that you know maybe there wasn't enough input in those recommendations and we're getting a lot of yesterday's military advisors commenting on today's actions well which, I mean and actually I think that's part of the part of the concern is that the guys who Baker's team visited Iraq once and they never left a green the zone green zone correct so they didn't get into Kurdistan. Cur- 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 mm-hmm. Thank you. And, uh, and and that is, I guess, that has been uh, tremendous success there. They're doing it all themselves up in that province, and there's no, there's really no military of our own there. It's all handled by the Iraqis. Well, that's because that's a different ethnic Kurdish, group. Though. I mean, they're, the Kurds have always managed themselves, and so. But when it comes to the Shiites and the, and the Shias and all those sorts of things, I mean, how do you stop people from this ethnic back and forth? And, you know, the original plan, and I had even sat on this the show, the predecessor, and argued with Mary that, that we had a plan for turning over provinces to the Iraqis and then we would back our way out by doing that. And we haven't done that in a long time now. So you got like 18 provinces. We've turned that. over like two provinces, and then we're just sitting there. And, and right. so the, the folks come out today and say, listen, you've got to figure out how to get more trainers in. You have to figure out how to turn those over. And I think that's what you have to do. You have to start turning them over faster and pulling yourself out because you'll never get out if you don't. It's, I, it's well, a hit. Sorry. I mean, hindsight's always 100%. And, you know, well, we that's, had- that's interesting you should bring that up. <clears throat> Only because. Look at you wrestling papers. Here's what's Done interesting is finding an article that talks about um, Cheney's comments um, after 1992 when he, because he was, you know, Secretary of Defense for mm-hmm. Bush 1. Um, so he was involved in the first Iraq war. And um, basically, you know, he says several things. Number one, Saddam's not worth U.S. casualties. Number I two, love that one. Um, once here's a direct quote from him. Once we rounded him up and gotten rid of his government, then the question is, what do you what do you put in place? You know, you then have to accept responsibility for governing Iraq. So the idea back then, he knew that if we came in and did something, we were going to have to run the country. He talks about how um, that if we did this, that it would be difficult to bring the country's various political factions together, and that U.S. troops would be vulnerable to insurrection and guerrilla attacks. When was when were then, these published? This is an well. This was an article 93? that this yeah. was in well, exactly the date on here. It was right after. It was August ninety two, nearly eighteen months after the U.S. forces. Gulf Force One. Right. Yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. And then he goes on, and here's another quote. Now, what kind of government are you going to establish? Is it going to be a Kurdish government, or a Shiite government, or a Sunni government, or maybe a government based on the old Ba'athist Party, or some mixture thereof? You will have, I think, by that time, lost the support of the Arab coalition that was so crucial to our operations over yeah. there. And that's where we are today. There's the end there. result, right. Cheney said, would be a messy, dangerous situation requiring long-term presence by U.S. forces. I think that Dick Cheney guy is a smart guy. Nostradamus. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Vote for him. Now, what that may suggest... Now I see how he got in office. <laughs> what that does suggest is that when he was making his case for the second Iraq war... He was. What's that? Lying. Oh, come on. Full of it. He knew all of this back in 1992. And what did they promise us? Things change over 10, 12 years. No, things never change. I don't think. Well, no, that's my point is he knew this would be the result. 
but instead. So why would he want us to do it anyway? I mean, if he really knew that. Ah, ding, 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 ding. There's it, oh, the million dollar question. The no, that's the question that Bob Woodward is going to write a series of three books about in 20 years. Well, Probably. Maybe 10. Less than that. Five. <laughs> He'll crank them out. You got something for us, Dick? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> go, Dick, go. I'd just like to point out. <laughs> you just like saying that? You're like, Dick, right? Dick. No, I appreciate not making fun of my name. I, I go by Dick. My real name's Richard. And, uh, but anyway, Thanks, I, I'd like to point out that Saddam was uh, feeding people headfirst into, into wood chippers uh, prior to us invading Iraq. And I'm just curious as to, you know. How, how it isn't beneficial that we remove the guy. Well, okay. Well, let I'll Go ahead. say something quick. First, I've never heard the wood chipper. Now, the rape rooms, the mass graves, <laughs> those kinds of things, those have been out there. Those were all things, of course, that our government actually supported. Don Rumsfeld went over there, shook his hand, said, hey, whatever you want to do to the Kurds, that's your business. The U.S. stays out of it. So, so to a point there, we supported it back then. Okay, but was he a bad man? Absolutely. Was he a person that shouldn't be in power? Yes. But there are a lot of countries that have really awful governments. How about Dalfour? We, we, we don't care at all about that country and the genocide and the killing and the stuff that's going on there. Well, so because it's not strategically important to us. I mean, there, there's no oil. There's, no, there's nothing. And, and so, I, I mean, I... Putting people in a chipper shredder is not a good thing. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> no matter sucks. how. It sucks. It hurts. Yeah, it has to hurt. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's going in the Thanks, clips Dick. reel. Yeah. No, it has to. Uh, <laughs> putting people in the chipper shredder is going to hurt. It's got to hurt. It's never a good thing. Dude, look how quickly this showed, you know, dives Interior. into the gutter, right. right? But seriously, uh, that's your point. But, but no. But, but, but my point is, is, is to go with Mary. There are a lot of bad dictators and bad governments in, in yeah. the world. And so why did we pick... Uh, Iraq and, and the answers, quite frankly, because it's the Middle East and because it's oil and you know we thought there were certain uh, weapons there that we were going to go after and how valid that was I don't know but but and we have Iran at the back door. Well, yeah, and what do we do? Yeah, and, and that's that's a big challenge. That is a big challenge. Uh, <laughs> but but I don't think what we can do is continue to go and just slug it out and try and stand between people who are there. Uh, are beating each other up over their ethnic background. And you really have to bring people to the table and you have to figure out how to get yourself out because you can't stay there forever. Right. Well, how do you change the cycle? Because you kill people, the relatives, the friends, they're mad, so thus it builds hatred. You kill more people Who's based on the hate. It's just this, how do you get out of the cycle? It's death just brings more hate, which brings more death, which brings more hate, which brings yeah. more death. Yeah, you have to I, get out. You, you can't physically do it. You have to start making them responsible for their own lives and their own actions. And we have certainly screwed up a lot of stuff. But I think the worst thing we can do is continue to sit there and try and slug it out day after day after day. I agree completely with that. But, I mean, the, the, when, when people talk about the war and what's going on over there, I mean, it's not just us being there that all this is happening. This has been happening for, for thousands hundreds of years. Of years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's in, you know, it is something that we will never... Yeah. Get under control. That We've got to get out. Has to happen between the, the sects over there. All right. So predictions to move on. What what's going to happen next? So what what's Bush going to do? He's getting he's getting all these reports. You know, he's got uh, what's his name coming up there who ran this particular commission, who was also was the same person who ran his the problems down Baker. in Florida. Baker, who ran the problems with the uh, 
particular uh, the first election when it was. That was Baker. Yeah, yeah. Baker ran that uh, defense ring down and there he's as well. Lost the House and the Senate. Yeah. What's it going to well, do? What's now next? That's an ace in the hole, if I've ever heard one. Right? What's next? Predictions. No, I'd like to hear others first. <laughs> you can't bank it. You guys always come to me first. We always because come to you always, first. You I ask the question. So insight, Mary. Hmm. I think that um, I think that they like the quagmire. They need the quagmire to oh. accomplish their mission. So I think they will surface level, act like they're doing something about it, and my guess is in five years we're still there. Oh, Mary. I think I no. think it will not be surface well, level. Well, let me I say this. Two years gonna, we're still there. Level. I don't think anything will really change under Bush. I, I agree with that. I don't think anything's going to change. I shouldn't say five I think years because who knows who the next president is. Until the next president comes around, I don't think anything is going to change. I think everything rests in the president and the vice president. I don't think my, there's enough My hope power. is that the president and vice president will... They'll listen to the people that are around them, and we'll start making some pretty dramatic changes to getting ourselves out and changing our strategy. So. I hope that's true. I, I would, it would hurt very badly if we were five years basically in the same boat. I mean, think about the, the, the not only the money costs, but we'll people's lives. lives and people. It just. The, the people that it's tearing apart are not just the killed, well, but the injured and the families and the it, children. That, that's really it. It's the Man. fabric of our communities here. Absolutely, in, in, in this country that it's is horrible. And and, it, and to think that we'd be in that same position in five years makes me sick to my stomach. I agree. I mean, I think it's I think it's a tough situation. It's definitely uh, it's not a win-win any, any way that you go right now. And I, I think our number one, I think we really have to be conscious of what's going to happen when we do go. You know, there is fighting. There is, it's totally un- unstable over there. But does Iran just move in and then we have Iran control of the Middle East? And, I mean, they are obviously the Wait. biggest player. Yeah, that guy's yeah. an unstable so, guy, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. 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 But well, I think we well, should sit down and talk with him. Well, you have the, that report that said they really, they really think that our government needs to sit down with Iran and Syria and bring them into the solution, bring them into the mm-hmm. like talks Hitler. about solution. But what does that look like to bring Hitler. it there? I mean, I, well, I, I, don't, ow, I don't know. Ow, ow, ow. The, the guy is totally unstable. Yeah, he that guy in Iran? I mean, oh, yeah, he's total he whack job. Pre- it, makes you know, me wish, it makes me wish it poli- global politics were more like Team America World Police, you know? <laughs> I'm so ronery. Hot bricks? I'll get you. <laughs> Your prediction. Uh, Prior to five years, it won't be an entire withdrawal because we have to uh, shore up enough to keep uh, crazy Iran out of the picture. Crazy Iran. Iran. So, so are we going to systematically withdraw, but still be? We're going to have a presence in five years. I don't think you can. Oh well, wait. Well, we've only built twelve military bases. What the hell are we going to do? Walk away from all of those top-notch military bases? We put money into. Yeah, I've heard they're really nice. I mean, the embassy's like insane. Cool. All right. What else? It's a a weird experience. I I used to live in, in South Korea, and that's a friendly country. And you walk in front of the military base in, you know, um, Pusan, and you'll get stoned. You know, there are angry people even in friendly countries. Pusan. Pusan? 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 Right? Dick's been there a lot. Those are some military... (laughs) (laughs) 
I've been there. <laughs> Done that. He got one of those um, no, high-dollar massages there. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me to tell you my South Korea story one day. Uh, no, I, it's a scary thing to get. I mean, we're getting stoned in our own friendly, supposedly friendly country. It was a beautiful experience, don't get me wrong. But there are some stoned. really angry people about our presence. <laughs> now, stoned by the drugs, you know I'm teasing. Okay. Yeah, speaking of pharmaceuticals. Speaking yes. of pharmaceuticals, let's go ahead and Great move into that. Segment. Why are we here again today? I do want to talk about pharmaceuticals. Let's do it. Because it's a total racket. Well, from, let's from, say, I'd like to hear it from it, the insider. Okay, from a consumer's point of view, it feels like a total racket. Now, we why have... Did, why does it feel that way, though? Because... You you look at the and, and of course we're all for good drugs and things that they do to help people and, and I'm all for capitalism, people making money. Yet at the same time, the the pharmaceutical companies carry so much sway in the political environment, it feels like the deck's really stacked against Americans in terms of price and those sorts of things. And so basically we're making money off the backs of, of people here in the United States and and not giving people access to say things that they could otherwise have that would help their lives. And, and it feels like kind of a racket. It's your... Well, and I think if you, you take that perception coupled with speculation around, you know, the bills that went through where Medicare can't negotiate drug prices... Yeah, what kind of crap okay, is so that? Let's, so let's take a step back, okay? Actually, I would like it because I, I actually have known... What's your name again, Jim? I've actually known Jim for a long time, Jim and, Dick. And, and I've known uh, Dick, Dick for a while. And and I remember. I mean, the reason we <laughs> the reason we actually thought to have the pharmaceutical show is because the last whenever we have a conversation where you guys educate me on how the business works, I am amazed. So, tell us how the business works. Soup to nuts. How does it? Can you tell us how a drug gets to market and how the formularies work? Can you can you bring us into that world a little bit? And don't it, really fight over the is, mic, seriously. It is a, it's, it's a pretty lengthy process. You can have over you know, a thousand different molecules that you're looking at, and one of them can make it to market. So there is a lot of R&D, and I know you hear that a lot. You know, oh, we're spending all the money on R&D. You know, get off our backs. Um, but it, it, it truly, it, it, there is a lot that we do to get those, and there is a lot that fail. Like, it's... it's it's got to be somewhere in the 95 percentile of, of, drug, of molecules that you look at where you find one. And from that one, there's possibly other indications that it can go for. And that's, that's when it starts to... What are you talking about there? You're talking about like the whole Viagra thing? It was yeah, originally just, developed for heart and yeah, it exactly. has a wonderful and, other use? <laughs> not only Speaking from the, experience, uh, what are you uh, doing? <laughs> I'm just looking at you thinking, are you going to tell us some kind of helps story? Helps raise blood pressure <laughs> elsewhere. You, you were saying... <laughs> Um, so, I mean, there is a lot that goes behind that. And there, you know, we have, I think, over the last, you know, I'd have to say like three to four years, we've been pretty much the whipping post of the media and the FDA. And, I mean, it's definitely a slanted view on what happens because I think a lot of times the, the pharmaceutical companies aren't actually getting out there and saying what they do, where they, where they send, how they help. And, I mean, there's, there's a big We're not doing a very that. good job managing the perceptions that people right. have. Yeah, there's, there's a lot coming at us, and there's not a whole lot returning from the pharmaceutical. Well, and I don't think it helps that they lobby against, for example, Medicare and Medicaid, purchasing drugs in bulk and those sorts of things to help lower costs for people. So you're kind of your own worst enemy when you're not 
helping us save money and, and participating. And you can't blame them. It's I mean, because you have to cover costs and you have to make money. But at the same time, I mean, healthcare is hard because there's a certain. Do we have an obligation as a society when it comes to healthcare? And, and I don't think people really understand healthcare. That you know, when you look at the U.S. and you look at what we spend or what what actually gets paid for healthcare when your when your uh, company is paying 70% of the bill for you in healthcare you know you automatically mm-hmm. lump it into your check and you don't think about it and then you go and pay a 5 or a 10 dollar copay at your doctor's office right. and then you want to walk away with a 300 dollar you know a day or a 300 dollar a month prescription for nothing and i i think that people really need to understand that you know it is expensive and you do pay a lot and it's it's not it's not an easy you know it's it's not an easy process on educating the people about what it's what healthcare is really worth. I wish I wish we all had a health savings plan where you knew exactly how much you had in there and if you know if you needed to use it, great, but you knew that you had a five thousand dollar cap or or this. You know we we deal with a lot with the emergency care and the and the critical care in the in the hospitals that that breaks uh, local economies for healthcare. You know, providing social health care for everybody, it's, it's, it's expensive, and I don't think people know, understand exactly. Okay, so tell me, if you, were a, if you were a Canadian pharmaceutical rep, what would you be doing? What would your job look like every day? I'd be coming to the U.S. to work. <laughs> <laughs> what so does your job look like now, though? Okay. A- answer that. What do you do now so as we, a pharmaceutical rep? Why don't you Dick? Well, I think that uh, there's a lot of perceptions of what we do and don't do, and I think that uh, the main thing that we do is we do try to show the benefits of our products. I mean, that's what salespeople do. Uh, So showing the doctors that uh, one drug is better than another and get them to prescribe your medication that you're representing over your competitors. Over our competitors, whether it be a generic drug or another branded product or what have you. Um, that's the main goal. I mean, we, we're, paid to, to, uh, we're paid to drive sales, and that's the bottom line. But, but the bottom line is to get you to go to a doctor's office and get them to write prescriptions, right? You want them to Absolutely. Write. I, I, that's the thing that's always flabbergasted me, that you don't have direct control over what they do, right, over your own sales. No, you're not getting a contract. You're not. You're not getting them to order something. You're not. You know, it's not like a. If someone was selling steel to you. Where'd you, you come from, Dick? Where before pharmaceuticals? Where were you? I sold wine. Really? Yeah. One drug to the next. Huh? <laughs> I yes. like your old. I like your old <laughs> drug better. I don't have any allergies. So. No. Uh, so what? The uh, so why do you do it? Well, Jim, I, I think uh, we probably both have the same answer. We do it because, um, well, let me put it this way. You, you get into the business, and in, in the interview, you would say to the manager that's interviewing, you'd say to him, well, I really care about patients, and I want to help people, and all these things. But the reality... Had, I'm sorry, I wish we had a camera here, just because Jim was mouthing right along with them. In anyway, Jim, are you but, in or out? No, he's in. He's in with you. Anyway, so that's why you say initially, but the fact of the matter is we're salespeople. And exactly. We're, we're in it to uh, to do well 
you know, financially in our careers. Well, there's, and you shouldn't feel embarrassed. To, I mean, no. you, you shouldn't feel hesitant to say that. But it, but it is, you know, the bottom line, it is nice to know and hear from doctors when you are helping people. That adds a little credibility to what you do. And, you know, because there are some, sometimes you'll, you'll have a product where you don't fully believe in it. But you're a salesperson, so you've got to go out there and put the best picture on that product. And, you know, obviously you're staying within your regulations, your guidelines, but, you know, it's, it's, it is sales. So what do you have to know more, the information about your product or the information about what the FDA requires you not to say? You need to know what your product is and what your competition is. Yeah. The FDA is there just to make sure that you're following with what your product is and not trying to sell it off-label or trying to give it other what is that? What does that mean? Yeah. When they're doing other things with your product, say with, Vi- say with Viagra, they're, it was originally designed for the heart, and some doctors found, hey, it works not only for the heart, but it works for also an erection. So, <laughs> just Red letter sure, day, yeah. woohoo! Well, you can't go out there and promote that for ED before it's been indicated for that and before they've done the tests and before the FDA approves that you can go out there and say there's a lot of guidelines behind what you can say and there's you know there's constantly we're being followed up by the FDA on you know here's what you can say here's what you can't say and the FDA takes a lot of hits are they doing a good job you know it's like any other governmental agency you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of waste there's a lot of time being spent on things that don't necessarily need to be spent, you know, but there's a lot of, you know, when they don't and something happens, then where does it come back to? It comes yeah, back to true. the FDA. So okay. I see why they need to cover everything that they do. <clears throat> well, I guess I have one question for you guys. What do you guys think about the pharmaceutical industry's approach to advertising? And I, I guess kind of That's what I'm wondering point, is, is, yeah. is the advertising that started to happen, and I think you guys know what I mean, you know, this, this ad comes on, you never really know what on earth the drug does, but it, you know, they're convincing you you need it. You know, are you tired, lethargic, depressed? Who isn't? Yeah, I mean, yeah you exactly. Know, those kinds of things. And so, do you while, wish you weren't while, a Democrat? <laughs> Call 1 800. Take this pill. That's exactly right. We will cure um, that disease from you right away. But so, what I wonder is something that, I, I guess, did it. Did it bring you the increase in sales you needed, or do you guys think it added to the negative perceptions around pharmaceuticals in the end? Do we think it back? Do you think it backfired on the pharmaceutical industry? That's kind of a leading question, Mary. It well, does I, both. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm wondering. It does both. It gives you uh, increased sales because they wouldn't do it. I mean, these companies are large, and they're not. They're not going to waste their money as people think they would. They want to get a return on their investment. And they've done it for years, advertising on TV, and it, it has worked. It shows that it works because people, patients see it on TV. They see, whoa, Viagra. I have no clue what it does, but they go in and they ask their doctor, what can that do for me? You know, And then, boom, one thing leads to another, and that's a script uh, from the doctor. So, But then on the bad side, yeah, it looks bad. 
it looks bad. But it, looks, it obviously must. It, it it has to be high. I mean, it must be more profitable well, for you to do it. I mean, you it know what you're getting at is is something that is is really more the cultural trend that that sort of comes with increased access to information, right? Which is, you know, now the patient has in the palm of his or her hands boatloads of information about a particular disease or a particular drug. And, and that's a good thing, does, I think. Is it? Well, does it that's help how or couched. hinder the, the medical community in doing their job? It's couched as patient education, right? I mean, that's... Well, but, that's what I'm saying. But but then the, the flip side is, is then are we putting pressures on our doctors to give scripts for this or that? Yes. And then we raise Tremendously. The you have people walking in the door saying, I want the purple pill. Doctor's like... Well, which Do you one? know what the purple pill is? They're like, no, but I know I need it. So, I mean, there's... I mean, do they really do that? A, oh, yeah, they, they do. I mean, yeah. it's... And then do doctors do that, or do they say... You know... Are they then held to an ethical standard which says, I need to make sure that there's a diagnosis here for you to have the purple pill, or they just kind of give it away? From, from a doctor perspective, there are... Today, doctors need to see twice as many people as they needed to see... Five ten years ago. Why? Ten years ago. In terms of what? Why? In, in terms of making, you know, in terms of having an income that can pay off their school loans. I, I mean, it, it is. Do you think so? is that some of that due to like uh, their man- increases in managed care? Pra- it's managed care. Okay. It's, it's, it's and managed their insurance costs maybe that they have to malpractice. No, it's like a that? lot of oh. it's it's dictated from managed care. Well, you'll see a lot of like Providence is a local uh, managed care plan, and you have. Uh, um, Within the Providence plan, they're, they are capitated on what they can prescribe. If they go outside of a lot of the, say somebody comes in and they need they, they have ED and they, they want Viagra or they want Cialis, you know, if there was a generic for that, a lot of doctors would have to use that generic first, right? They'd have to use whatever is in their plan or they're going to get dinged on the back end when it, they, they have this big pool of, of money that at the at the end of the year, if they haven't used it, all that up, then they get that back, and so it's advantage it's an advantage for them to stay within there, and they're ridiculed if they go outside of that. So Does that fall kind of within the same parameters of you know five minutes per patient and some of that yeah, stuff that's there. You know, I talked to a lot of doctors, and you know they wish they could prescribe what they need to do, but a lot of times to keep their patients. To make sure that the patients to keep are them happy, happy, to make sure that they're happy. When a patient comes in and they're, they have, they are so set on. I've, I've researched my, I have, my, I have gout in my leg. My leg is falling off, and this is the only thing that's going to do it, doctor. And the doctor is in his back of the mind. He's like, you know, this, this is a sub therapeutic option that you want. But how do you, you know, how do you make sure that that patient likes that and stays? And you know, there's, there's always a conflict going on with the doctor on on what to do and what situation. You know, they're not obviously not going to give them some bad medication or some bad advice, but the patient now with the Internet dictates a lot of what they're getting. Hmm. <clears throat> Interesting. What, what kind of an... Uh, I don't know. I mean, what this gets to to me is uh, everything I hear is that doctors don't have the time to do the research they need to do to stay up to date. On the information that they get, and on the drugs, and on the treatments, and on the, the and and that the problem with with sort of the pharmaceuticals push, sales push is that the education about new drugs is coming from organizations that are inherently biased in the sale. 
You know where I'm going with that? Well, because it's about marketing for them. I mean, really, I mean, you, you can step back. Yeah, and so, do the do I mean, my doctor won't deal with email, won't check email, right? So there's no customer relationship there. I can't call him and say, I just have a quick question. I can't email him. I can't do anything right. other than set an appointment for the $15 copay to get in for a 15-minute appointment and then move on so he can move on about his day. They don't have the time. They don't have the time. And that's why you're seeing a, a call where you come in with a laundry list of ailments that you need or that you have, but they can only focus on a few of those, you, you know, unless it's a physical or something like that. But there is the, it's limited time. You have take a look for the over the last ten years um, in the pharmaceutical industry, we have doubled, quadrupled in size. So you have not only are you are you there as a physician seeing twenty, forty different patients a day, but you also have three times the amount of reps calling on you to tell you how great their product is. And as a, as a physician, there's you know you, there's thousands of drugs out there. You can only have about a good 20 to 25 or 15 to 20 drugs that you use on a day-to-day basis. And those are the ones that you're going to stick by. And if you, you know, and, and a lot of the time, you see this a lot with the, with the old-timer doctors, a little bit older doctors that, you know, graduated and this is what they've had success with and they don't want to look at anything else. Well, there's a lot of newer technology out there that is truly beneficial and that's kind of where the pharmaceutical industry comes in and updating them on What's new? What's current? What's better? You know, there's a lot of things that are better than our prior generic drugs out there. Well, but then there are there are new drugs out there that are marginally better than their Correct. old counterparts Correct. as well. And so, but we advertise on TV saying, "Well, you need this," and so then you go and you get it. Have you really done anybody any favors? But you know what? I mean, in the same point, because of the of the managed care process, when I go out and I pay. You know, ten bucks for my generic drug versus twenty bucks for my other drug. There isn't a cost difference, right? There's no pain there for me to care. No. So maybe the marketing pitch mer- worked. Maybe it didn't. Somebody else is covering the cost. Unless well, the you're vast on a fixed majority, income. Well, and that's for why, the vast majority right. of the population. Well, right. and that's why people talk about doing something with a health savings account, which is you get money put in, and but then you are responsible for paying your own bills, and so therefore you become more cost yes. cost conscious. And, and so the idea is you're going to work to be more aware and make good decisions as a consumer. Not go to the ER with a cough. Well, yeah. I mean, And that's what you see a lot of. If there's of. no real cost for you, then you really don't care. Right. It, it's fairly irrelevant. And, right. and that's the problem, of course, universal health care, which is if it doesn't really cost you anything, why do you care? And, and yes. so then you go there for, for everything, and you end up abusing it, which drives up the cost. But And you'll see great potential, great doctors leaving in droves or, you know, not wanting to practice anymore because it's all told to them how they're going to yeah. prescribe. Yeah, I mean, they're in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. I, I talked to my doctor one time and I asked him how much, when you when you look at those patients, 20 patients a day or whatever it is, how many of them have legitimate, true health ailments or how much is it related to stress, the environment, uh, food choices, and all those sorts of things. He's like, listen, 80% of it is just junk. He says about 20% of the people have a true issue. The rest of it is stress or divorce or you're eating McDonald's every day or whatever it is. And, and they're trying to figure out how to how to resolve those things. So they go to the doctor. And and he's like, I in a lot of cases... Hoping for answers. It's really not a lot I can do. I can give you a drug, but I don't know that that's truly the answer. Without being a therapist, they really yeah. can't do yeah. it. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Now, I once had an al- having allergies, um, had an allergist, and you'd meet with him, and you'd be talking about different things, and one of the things I really liked about him was he'd say, now, refresh me on your insurance. He'd be like, how... How is your your insurance with your pharmaceuticals? And then depending on what your insurance was is what he determined the drug. So making sure that he didn't prescribe like the most expensive drug to somebody who has that'll pay a lot out of pocket for it, then he'd find a different drug for people that. Well, that had seems that. like I thought a that good was deed. Interesting. I, I I always thought it was a a good thing. Yeah, I mean he's sort of the Robin Hood of the medical community. Yeah, but they're put in a tough spot. I mean, imagine trying to be a doctor today and you're coming out of school. Uh, but that was school 10 years ago. So. And, you know, you got $100,000 yeah. worth of debt and, and you're trying to see these well, 20, well, look at the, the Look at the managed care plans. There is no way a doctor can know what's on what now. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, look at uh, Oregon Health Plan. How many different plans can you have underneath that? And yeah. there's, you, you, I ask a doctor about managed care and they're like, you know, talk to my nurse. They don't pay yeah, attention. I, I don't have time to. That's all right. That so, should be off their radar. So they shouldn't have to worry about. What's that. next? I mean, we, what this says to me is that we have an we have a system that's in some sort of trouble because the doctors don't know what things are costing and where they can't keep up with the latest information. And and you know, you guys as reps are put in a difficult position because one of the things we haven't talked to is just you know medical access. I mean, how much access do you have today versus how much you had? Two years ago or five years ago, to the medical community. You mean as as pharmaceutical in reps. terms of as reps? Okay. Uh, you know, you know, you've got people crawling for universal health care. You've got. I mean, what is next for this system? That clearly we need something to give more access and more information to more people at at a cost that they can afford. Well, and don't forget, we are paying more for health care than other industrialized nations yes. and getting less in return. So our system's clearly screwed up with a lot of overhead. Uh, there's some great articles. We should post them on the yeah. website. I read one really recently from the guy who wrote Freakonomics talking about how much we get and what other com- you know, countries give back and some of the overhead and that kind of stuff. And, right. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a horrible well, that, mess. Well, that's always been one of my questions because a lot of times when you're listening to the arguments around universal health care, uh, and I think we've said it here today, is, the co- well, it's very expensive. People need to understand how expensive it is. And so then my question, I sit back and say, well, then how do the other 49 industrial countries do it? Yeah, because they do. So, uh, but you know, I mean, some of that comes back to how much do the uh, what are the what's the size of their population and what's the size of their expectation and the level of the right? care. I mean, that's and the level of care. I mean, we expect to have. We certainly do. Everyone is Harvard Med School trained cardiologist, and and that's what I expect when I go to have you know a wart removed from my toe. Never had that done. I have very nice feet. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. <laughs> that was yeah. a picture that just. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I think I need to go take a shower. It's uh, a little disgusting, but uh, what's the answer? It's going to come up again politically. Well, you guys are the brainiacs. I mean, yeah. really, you're looking at 2008. This is going to be a very hot. Or what topic. would you want to see for your your industry? I think ultimately, what's going to what's going to have to happen is there are, like, on the pharmaceutical side, there has to be a reduction in. Salesforce, and you're seeing that already with Pfizer. Pfizer has gobbled up companies one after another and kept their Salesforce. And now they have, you know, in in the area that we're in now, they have sometimes five reps calling on them, calling on the same doctor for the same products. Like how much repetition? You know, they say that after the sixth time you talk about it, it starts to get into your memory. But 
you know, that's a little overkill, I think. Yeah. Well, um, make sure and, that's efficient business practices. Yeah. I don't well, and I think that's what we're finding out now, especially, you'll, I'm sure you'll be seeing this more with, with other companies as well, is there's going to be, there's going to be a downside to the pharmaceutical industry, and there's going to be, I think there's ultimately going to become a more specialized rep where there's going to be one rep from the company or a couple reps from the company that handle a certain area, and they are going to be able to get in and get to see the doctors and get to get the vital information that, that doctors need on the current you know, new medications that are out there that are truly beneficial for not only them, but their patients. And you know, look, looking at, when you look at pharmaceuticals and you look at one to another in the same class, you're, oftentimes, if you were to prescribe maybe a, a, a better medication and be more preventative, you would have, a, you know, it would return tenfold on the back end when they end up in the hospital for something that didn't happen because you had to prescribe an inferior medication. Hmm. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things. I think it's obviously our pharmaceutical industry is going to be down a little bit. Doctors need to be able to... They need to be able to see a fewer patients so they can spend more time with them, too. And I'd love to see that happen. Are we headed towards universal health care, do you think? Hillary in 2008? Hillary in 2008? Hillary. I think Hillary Rodham. Dick has thoughts. Dick has thoughts. He's shaking Uh, his head. Dick always has thoughts. Uh, I don't think we will see that um, in the United States based on one thing that... uh, that Roach said earlier when we first opened up. He said that. It, is it okay for me to call you Roach? It's it's totally cool, I, Dick. He's still he's still adjusting to the new yes, nickname. I am we'll adjusting. talk about that yes. in a minute. Okay, all right, all right. Anyhow, um, the one thing that really goes um, unmentioned is that if you were in one of these countries that have this great healthcare system where they have all the information, their healthcare system is better. The fact of the matter is that uh, if you go to the hospital in the United States, you get seen. You get seen right now. And if you go to a hospital in some of these other countries where, uh, quote-unquote, they're, they're superior to our system, uh, you know, if the guy has to get his gallbladder out, he may not get it out for four days. Whereas well, in the United hold, States, hold on, hold he's on. getting it out now. No, 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 no. I mean, certainly with... Uh, HMOs and different things. There is a, a a certain level of care that we manage, and it's you're not necessarily going to get in right then and there. I mean, you don't you don't know that. Take your dental cleaning, for example, and you have to set an appointment, and it's six months out, and all those sorts of things. So, I mean, we we already do that with our healthcare system and our different insurance companies and those sorts of things. So how is that any different? I mean, I, I would argue... Well, you dental, really? dental if, if, no, hold on, hold on. No. It's going to no. be two weeks out. Hold on, no, no, hold on. It's if like I getting my oil changed. No, if I needed my gallbladder out and I was in Canada, I'm sorry, they're not going to make me wait in bed for six months until they do that. They're going to they're gonna do it right away. I mean, we are... Have you had this happen up there? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I had this problem with this gerbil one time. No, no. I mean... Oh, Richard... No, dude. I mean, they're not going to make you just sit in pain. And we already manage people. No, they'll just drug you out. Yeah. No, we already do that in the United States. So I don't know. I, I, I grow frustrated when we say, oh, well, if we if we go to a, some kind of national system, everybody's going to have to wait in line for months and months and months, and you're ever going to get, get any care you and think- all that kind of stuff. I, I'm not saying it might not be worse than it already is, but it already happens today. 
you will reduce the number of doctors that want to practice medicine because they will not be Where getting paid. Where are they going to go? Mm. Where are they going to go? Other question. professions. Oh, interesting. How about other? There are smart people. They'll go. They'll find jobs. But if you reduce the number of doctors, that that will create a backlash as far as lines are concerned and what what people can get done. That's an interesting. I mean, why, why should we? Uh, I don't know. I, I think I that, don't know that universal health care is the answer. I think we ought to try doing more health savings accounts and those sorts of things. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. I, I worry about hyperbole of all the doctors are going to leave and where they're going to go. Argentina practice. Well, I mean, really. that, that also I don't know, leads man. into There's a, a lot of organ thievery there. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I'm just saying that. I don't know that for sure. That also leads into a question of how many, how many people are doctors. Because of the idea of being a help, doctor, being a do- doctor and helping other people, and how many are doctors because it means a big paycheck? Yeah, good money. Yeah, I, I would have to say the, the the first part of that would be the equation that they want to help, but they're not going to be able to help if they're yeah, they can't make if they money. can't make the money. Yeah, That's you know, true. I mean, well, because doctors, anymore, I mean, isn't this what we're seeing that the transition right now is between doctors who make a really high paycheck and doctors who are doing it to help people, and that's the transition. I mean, doctor does not mean the always the six figure income. No, anymore. I mean doctor is another profession that, where it's about helping people. Doctors that make a lot of money are the specialists. Yeah. Well, yeah, they specialize yeah. and they charge cash. Right. And and then they go to a different. Clientele. I think they're called dentists. Dentists well, don't or, have managed care. That's, <laughs> that's right. They did right? not sell I mean, out, so they're, they're doing yeah. great. Lipo or whatever. I've right? got a friend that's an orthodontist. No yeah. managed care. Very you, happy. you want you want new teeth? That's yeah. five thousand dollars a tooth. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's a totally different perspective, and you know you will see a, a trend when going to universal health care of physicians that thinking twice about being a doctor. You know that is they, the ultimate thing is to help people, but if you can't help people and help yourself, then where and that, are you? And that is the last. <laughs> where, are <you? laughs> where are you? Where are you? Thank you so much, uh, Jim, for that uh, that insightful commentary. You guys, thank you for sitting down thank with you. us. This has been uh, quite an education, always. We have you guys uh, get to have such insightful practitioners. Feel like you know your industry is on attack. And it that's is, not and, what and we... that's not what we intend to do. As a matter of fact, I learned a lot just about how the industry works. It's not. I don't think it's a. What do you want to say, something? No, I just wanted to say I appreciate you letting us have this venue to yeah. let you know and just kind of put it out there what 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 are the perspectives and you know where are we and what do we look like? Yeah. <laughs> if you could see us now. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, you know, on that note, we are uh, you know we should be out of here. This is we're going on an hour. I, I again want to thank all the folks who have written this email. This is. Uh, uh, an enthusiastic crowd. We're glad to, to have you listening to us. Glad to welcome you to Beer 30 Live. And uh, anything for you guys? I'll just say, just keep in mind, this is a little slightly new format for us, so bear with us as we adjust and get used to it. And hopefully our next show will be better than every, this one. Every team needs its apologist. <laughs> I think Look at the Democratic Party. No. Wait. <laughs> I, I, I think we kick ass. I think we're going to have a great show. I, I'm excited about this <laughs> format. Too. And, and I think we're going to do some really cool stuff. So I'm very good. excited so. about it. And we've, uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, we've, we've actually sat down and planned other shows besides this one. So keep listening because they, they are good. They're consistently good. We've got good guests, and, and we're really excited about this. And thank you to, uh, uh, to the Bighorn Brewery and Like Us We Go Oregon for letting us sit in the corner and, and uh, take advantage of their beer. Let's have a little uh, going-away toast. A good little going-away toast. Good. To beer 30 to, uh, Live. Thank you, folks. And Cheers. We're, We're out. out.
Are you emailing your porn star friend? I'd better do that too. Dude, if we want in on that, you better watch. We do want <laughs> in. Dude, we, we want <laughs> in. Roach, behave. We want in on the porn star. Dude, oh, I'm don't ever say that again. <laughs> you guys will. Do you have that on tape? It is, I a, think that's it is a chick, though, right? <laughs> Dude, because I don't want. Half. <laughs>